the 90s podcast. Uh, I'm your host Andy Zaldivar and we are back ladies and gentlemen with another splendid episode of the 90s galore podcast and uh, we got something very very special as we always do we always got something special brewing in the 90s galore pot you know uh, you guys better be ready for this one uh, it's a big time big time band we're profiling tonight huge uh, I'm almost too nervous to to, to do this one because again I I, I got to do this band justice man I can't screw this up so the pressure's on me damn it and uh, I have a very special guest here I'm we're gonna just get let's get into it man let's just get into it uh, you know Chuck are you there yeah I'm here I'm here ladies and gentlemen Chuck Nuno very special friend very close dear personal friend of mine and uh, we are gonna profile Nirvana tonight Chuck what do you think of that. You know, I mean, you've been doing this podcast for a while. I'm actually surprised it's it's taken you this long to get around to Nirvana. They're they're kind of one of the uh, the symbols of the '90s. If you think of uh, like the just the whole pop culture. I mean, I know they were pop, but just the the history of, of the '90s. They're a huge, huge uh, symbol and, and icon at that time. Absolutely, Chuck. I agree, man. I, I know the fact that it's taken me practically damn near a year. To, to profile Nirvana, oh, but you know what? I was saving it for you the whole time, man. Oh yeah, were you? I was saving Nirvana for you, man. It was. Why did you just? Why did you just tell me last night, then, dude? <laughs> oh come on now. We've been trying to do this for you know a few weeks yeah, now. No, I know. But somebody's just too busy. Yeah, I know. That's my bad. <laughs> hey, you know what, man? Whatever, man. It's all water under the bridge, and the point is, we're here now. And uh, we're doing this, you know, and like Looking you said, yeah, you know, and you, you said that, uh, yeah, you know, when I think of grunge, man, the word grunge, if I, you know, if I'm going to do word association, I'm going to think of the word grunge. I automatically think of this band. I don't know about you. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's funny is that um, the word grunge, they actually didn't like a lot of the bands from Seattle didn't like that word. It was coined by, uh, it was used multiple times, but it was, it stuck from uh, a writer from an, a magazine and it just stuck and they didn't like it, but it was basically associated with just the dirty sound of that time. And um, kind of similar to punk, it, it punk on its roots basically were a bunch of kids that didn't really know how to play music well or play instruments very well. But, people liked the kind of the raw sound of it and uh, grunge was pretty much the same thing where you had some guys that knew how to actually play instruments, but their mm. production skills were just not very good at all. And so it kind of came, it kind of came out a little, little dirty sounding, but that, that subculture dirty sound is what sold a lot of people and got them hooked when, when they started hearing about, you know, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden and, and all those bands. But, yeah, if you ask, I mean, from what I was reading in these interviews I see, and they actually didn't like the word grunge, but we'll, yeah. I, I don't care, we'll use it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's a great point, man. And I like the parallel you made with, with punk. Yeah, it was very similar. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was kind of like, well, if you guys are going to classify us, categorize, categorize us, uh, that's so be it, you know, whatever. You guys want to label us, we're, we're just rocking out. You know, we're, we're making music. Exactly. Right. right. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. Great point, man. Great point. And 
And the, I don't know. The, the have I mentioned who we're who we're actually profiling for the uh, for tonight's episode? I don't know. Yeah, did we I did. miss it? Yeah, yeah you did. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about Nirvana. Damn it, Nirvana, the one yeah. and only Nirvana. And um, man, yeah, they, they, you know, out of Aberdeen, Washington. Chuck, what do you think, man? Well, what I liked about Nirvana, um, and I know you you got kind of a, a structure to this, but no, the, go ahead, go ahead. The, the, the term grunge, like it applied to all of these alternative rock bands, and and a lot of them, the basis of all of the bands was rock and roll, but mm-hmm. they all had their own kind of influence as far as what they blended with the rock and roll. So we had Pearl Jam, that like with Mike McCready sounded a little more bluesish. Um, then you have bands like uh, Alice in Chains and Soundgarden. You listen to uh, Chris Cornell's voice and Lane Staley. They, they sound like guys that were probably into heavy metal yeah. in the 80s. Uh-huh. And then uh, so they, their voice, their vocals are very heavy metal sounding. No doubt. Um, and then you have Nirvana, uh, bands like Nirvana. You have like Mudhoney, mm-hmm. where you, they basically took rock and they mixed it with their, um, basically their passions, which is more punk music. Um, and that's what I gravitated more towards. And I think just the, the, you know, you grew up, we, we both grew up around the same time. And, and I think just the, the industry or the, everything, radio, music, new movies was just ready for that sound because everything was just so cheesy and bubble gum and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like rap was like, rap was like what, uh, young MC and MC hammer. And it's like, ah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> no, no it, yeah, and, it, and it, for for Nirvana, you know, a lot of their their uh, big influence of theirs was uh, the Melvins. Yeah, you know, you know uh, out of Washington as well, and they kind of mm-hmm. uh, you know they were kind of the pioneering um, type of group where they were you know they were doing what they called sludge sludge metal and stuff like that. Right, and, you know, so uh yeah that was definitely one of their influences and like you said punk yeah man definitely definitely man. and, and Grohl was more from the uh the midwest uh he What's was that? born in Grohl. he was from the midwest i want to say he was born in ohio and uh he did a really good uh documentary series on hbo that that sonic highways uh-huh and he talks about how you know back in the Midwest and on the East coast, more his influences were like bad brains and, uh, circle jerks and, you know, the, uh, more of the dirty punk kind of, you know, the the thrash punk. And, uh, you know, then he came with his mom over to Seattle where he met up with, uh, Kurt and, and cursed. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. The Melvins, I mean, they, they're, they're very, yeah, very punk influenced, which, which is again, which is what I liked. Absolutely, man. And yeah, you listen to their, uh, their first couple albums, especially uh, Bleach, yeah. um, some of their early compilation albums, uh, Incesticide. Yeah, that big, was a good one, dude. Right, right. <laughs> and big time, big time punk, punk influence. And um, yeah. yeah, very much. Yeah, with Bleach. And, and it's funny about Bleach is, and I know you'll talk about uh, <clears throat> Nevermind in a little bit, but yeah. I, me personally, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm the biggest Nirvana fan of all time, but I hadn't even heard about Bleach until I heard, you know, Nevermind playing over, you know, the, the radio, all the songs from Nevermind played. Oh, no doubt, man. And yeah, we're on the same page because um, I didn't, I think most, most, 
I think the the masses didn't really catch on to Nirvana. Um, you know, although Bleach did sell over you know two million copies, you know, yeah. you know, it did go platinum twice. And and with that being said, you know, uh, you know, Nirvana obviously caught fire and and just shot to superstardom with with Nevermind. Obviously, with Teen, yeah. smells like Teen Spirit, and and then that's when everybody you know kind of. Um, you know, in general, just the, the, the masses kind of uh, got to know Nirvana and they started, you know, re- looking into their discography, obviously with Bleach and their albums. Uh, so that's when, you know, that's when I got into Nirvana. Yeah. So you're, I think you and I are kind of, you know, like everybody else where, you know, nerv- almost overnight Nirvana, you know, shot to uh, superstardom and. Uh, well, what's crazy you know. is the first time I heard uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit, I was actually, I remember I was in the car with my mom, and uh, they played it on K-Rock, and as soon as the song was over, like, even the people, the, the guys that were the, the uh, on the radio, the radio personalities were just, they were talking about how blown away they were. They played the song again immediately, so they played the same <laughs> song back to back, and it was just like, again, everyone was just ready for that type of sound. It was, uh, yeah. it was very hard hitting. It was good. And, and it landed. I liked it. No, without a doubt, man. Yeah. I think everybody was ready. Like you said, it was, they came, they were that band that came along at the right time. You know, yeah. they, they were the right band for the right time. And then the right era, you know, the right, uh, movement or scene, you know, again with quote unquote, the grunge, Yeah, uh, you know, and, uh, I, it's funny. You, I can't pinpoint the moment where that I first heard that song, you know, smells like teen spirit. Um, yeah. you know, I just kind of, uh, no, I know it was sophomore year, you know, I, you and I graduated in the same year, Yeah, you know, 94. And I think, yeah, so we were both sophomores and I wasn't going to say what year it was, you know, but if you want to go ahead and, and date us, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're, 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 we're aging. Like we're, we're fine wine, man. We're like fine wine, Chuck, you know? Hey, you know what, though, uh, and not to take you off track, uh, Rolling Stone, uh, we used to read Rolling Stone magazine, they actually declared 1994 like the pinnacle of alternative rock. That was like the best year where just all of these albums came out. Yeah, man. And uh, we, we went to high school a good time, man. Oh, it man. Some really good music. We were spoiled, man. We were spoiled. Totally. Very much so. You know? And I think, uh, you know... Later on in life, I think as we got older, I just everything was uh, for me. I just compared it to, you know, our our era, you know, of music yeah. when I was in high school, and it's just it just everything was kind of like the standard was set so high, you know, the bar was set so high, yeah, you know that uh, everything kind of just like ah, it doesn't live up to what I grew up to, you know, it, yeah, even to this day, you know, right. But yeah, well, like you were talking about the whole grunge scene and the and the movement. I think one of the things that helped propel the whole grunge scene, and again, I know we got a profile Nirvana, but um, kind of like with with rock and roll, when rock and roll took off in in the United States, what was happening is it was also popular in in Britain, and so having talent here in the United States, having talent over in you know the UK. Uh, definitely helped propel that genre of music. And that's the same happened with, with grunge mm-hmm. is that at the same time you had uh, the Manchester movement going on over in Britain where you mm-hmm. had a lot of uh, experimental music going on with uh, the rave scene kind of blending into alternative rock, 
Um, I don't know if you ever seen a movie. It's a really good movie. It's called Twenty uh, Four Hour Party People. No, oh no, and, it's a documentary. No, no, no. It, it's a movie, and oh. uh, it's starring a uh, Steve Coogan. He's playing uh, Tony Wilson, and uh, Tony Wilson was a TV personality in mm. uh, in the UK or in Britain, and uh, he, every so often throughout the movie, he kind of turns and he starts talking directly to the camera, like saying, "At this moment, this is what was going on," and so it's almost like a documentary, but it's it's an acted out uh, with 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 actors, and they every so often they'll put the real people from that time to do like cameos in the movie, but. Tony Wilson, um, he started Factory Records, which founded like uh, Joy Division, which then later became, oh. uh, you know, it became a new order. Uh-huh. Uh, he started right. uh, Factory Records. I had all of these acts, and um, it was out of the uh, Hacienda nightclub, and you had just a lot of experimenting going on with like drugs and, and everything, and acid, acid rock, and uh, you had uh, the Happy Mondays come out of there, the Stone Roses, the wow. Charlottes. So it had a very similar sound that was taken off over there, which then also helped the sound over here. So, you know, the record labels immediately saw the, just the market for it, uh, both awesome. over here and over there. Yeah. So it was a, yeah. So the, it, it was a, it was a good time, man. Just a really good time. And that was the UK, right? Yeah. It, we- yeah. And what years was that? What what uh, time frame? The Manchester music uh, movement. It was like uh, late eighties, early nineties. Manchester, uh, kind of the same time. Yeah, the same time that uh, Nirvana was getting started. I see. There's a really cool uh, video on YouTube, but uh, Nirvana. I don't know if you can like. This is before they even did Bleach. They're they're doing a a show in a in a Radio Shack. <laughs> It's so low budget, but it's just like, you know, they're paying their dues, man. It was, it's, it's a cool little video and it sounds terrible. It sounds terrible, but it's, it's, it's a cool video. And that's, um, man, that, that's a pretty cool, Matt, Matt you say Manchester right away. I think, uh, Morrissey, the Smiths, yeah. you know, yeah. and, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's a, that's man. That's awesome. I didn't know that Chuck. And what was the name yeah, of that movie? Out, uh, 24 hour party people. 24 hour party. I got to check that out, man. Good stuff, man. Yeah, Just, yeah, man. But uh, that, yeah, yeah that's a, about it, man. <laughs> no, that's a good parallel, man. That's a yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but and then you, you, you for when I think of you know when that's the whole Seattle scene, though, man. I got you always got to give. I you know you got the Screaming Trees, you got um, Green River is another band. Yeah, you know, like, Mud Honey, Mud Honey, another band. Uh huh. You, you know, Mother Love Bone. I think I mentioned that. Uh, yeah. You know, certain ones they just had a a a better sound. Um, you know, the production mm-hmm. was just better with Soundgarden, and uh, I think he had Garbage. Um, no, I don't think they were Seattle, but uh, Hole came from yeah. the area, and uh, yeah, it's just. But, but the production of of those the, the bands that made it was just better. Um, you know, yeah. I can listen to, to Mother Love Bone, but some of the songs are are a little rough <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right no exactly and uh garbage you mentioned is uh well they were actually produced and, and formed by um a guy named butch vig man yeah and yeah he, that's right right you know and he produced uh, uh i mean that guy's worked with everyone but he, he produced Dude, yeah uh, you know a lot of uh he produced a few nirvana albums um soundgarden 
Well, he, he produced <laughs> never mind. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, you yeah. Know, that's kind of big. <laughs> well, you were, I think you were going to, um, Butch Big, and I think you were going to talk about uh, Jack and Dino. These were guys Jack that kind of had, had their hands in everything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, behind the scenes, and they they were musicians in their own right. I mean, they, they played music, but mm-hmm. I think they just found more success behind the board. Yeah, man. I mean, these guys are the, the brains behind the... Yeah. Uh, you know, behind the sound and, you know, the, the production. Yeah. Jack and Dino, he, you know, he, he worked with, uh, he's more of the sound guard and mud honey. I mean, just a slew of people. Right. And, yeah. you know, but, uh, back to Nirvana, Chuck, you know, I mean, <laughs> there's so many rabbit holes, right. We can go through, <laughs> you just start talking about this guy and this band. And the next thing you know, man, it's, it's midnight, you know, and, right. <laughs> um, yeah. but Nirvana, man, Nirvana, you know, again, they, almost overnight, they sh- they shot up. You know, they came they shot out of a cannon with yeah. uh, "Smells Like Teen Spirit," and um, you know, I was up in as you know, Chuck. I was stationed up there during the after you know from I was in Washington from March of ninety five through. I remember you mentioning that. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, yeah, you, you were stationed up there, didn't you? Like, do like a like a radio show or something like that up there. No, no, I wish, I wish, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it was just, I was 18 years old in, in Washington in March, uh, March of 95 through June of 97. Uh, so I was up there, you know, I, I, I didn't catch the, the height of, of the, gr- the whole grunge scene. Wow. That's still a good time. Man. Oh yeah. It was, it was fun, man. But you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't really f- get to fully, um, experience seattle the way i wanted to because i was always underage um yeah you know it was kind of just timid and and um couldn't really go into bars or go go visit the cool famous you know clubs up there the paramount theater for example uh you know where all these guys you know played allison chains nirvana etc uh have you seen um online i think it came out with the nirvana box set for when they uh it, this was released probably about five years ago when they did that box set with uh, Know You're Right. And uh, they released uh, the remastered uh, video of their uh, concert in 1992 at the Paramount. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw a clip of that. Yeah, such a great concert. That, because you could tell, like, some of the concerts, like the live acts you see of Nirvana, you could tell Kurt's just kind of going through the motions right. and really feeling it. But that, that concert was amazing and a lot of, uh, a lot of energy sounded really good. Oh um, man. Yeah. They rocked but, it. Uh, yeah. I think you catch that one on, on YouTube too. Um, so if anyone listening, if they'd like to see a good Nirvana live act, that would, uh, definitely be one of the best ones. And that was, uh, I think at the you said Paramount, right? Yeah. Paramount theater. Yeah. Seattle. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. So, and you know, it's funny cause, uh, like I said, I was up there and, you know, I didn't really get to, anyways, I didn't get to experience it, but it was kind of cool being up there because, I, you know, uh, I was up there about almost a year after Cobain had died in April of 94 and uh, things kind of fizzled out a bit. And it's interesting also because I had, I was uh, on the ship, one of my shipmates, <laughs> fellow sailor, he had, um, he was about uh, he had he was from Aberdeen, Washington as well. 
And, okay. Yeah. So he and supposedly he had gone to school with Kurt Cobain in high, you know, in high school. He was about a year older than Kurt Cobain. Oh, no shit. Yeah, that, that was the story. Oh. But the whole thing was like, hey, don't, no, don't, don't ask. His name was Trevor. Matter of fact, I remember his name real well. Don't ask Trevor about Kurt Cobain. You know, it's it's a sensitive thing, you know. So it was. I never really got to ask him, <laughs> talk to him about it. But I, I wanted to ask him, man. I wanted to yeah. pick his brain on that. Damn it. I know. Uh, but some. Well, then I, I mean. Go ahead. Ninety five. I mean, so I mean, again, it was a year after he passed. Um, I mean, like, I mean, I kind of feel like they, they, like, In Utero was an amazing album. And, of course, you know, listening to interviews with, uh, with Kurt, he, I mean, he was kind of like the, just the, the, uh, the jaded artist, you know, he, he didn't like the way the, the, the business side of it worked uh, with like a lot of music artists don't, Uh but it just seemed like he was ready to stop anyway. Um, so I mean, I don't know. He passed away in '94. I mean, what do you think they they would have kept? I mean, do you think if they could have released another album, it would have done just as well? I mean, do you think they had more in them? I mean, oh yeah, without a doubt, man. Yeah, I, you know, the more I read about Kurt Cobain, and uh, he was man, he was an artist. You know, yeah, he was an artist. Yeah. He, he he was a you know he, he he the way he he was so like detail oriented, passionate. Yeah about his art and his work um you know if it wasn't true yeah he was not he would not uh budge uh he was passionate you know and yeah. uh you know so he i think who knows man i think who, who maybe shoot, I, yeah, we'll never know obviously but i think they would have continued to record and make albums and you know uh, who yeah, knows? you're talking about him being uh, detail oriented, like as uh, Dave Grohl when they they were interviewing him regarding. Uh, they were thinking back to when they did the Unplug show, and he was saying that you know Kurt's kind of uh, OCD approach to producing that uh, episode of Unplug. He said it was just driving him nuts because he just like he wanted everything so so perfect. And right. I mean, the result were spoke for themselves that's probably one of their best unplugged episodes they've ever had was uh their bonus unplugged oh oh absolutely without a doubt yeah, it, yeah and then I, I also read that uh on the set of uh smells like teen spirit uh they had to yeah kurt wanted a certain he, he wanted things a certain way he wanted a you know the, the visual a certain visual things a certain way visually yeah. uh and it just wasn't living up to his, his uh expectation and uh they had to get it right man until he was satisfied you know yeah and uh that you know i i, I appreciate that you know i have a lot of respect for that man and because, what would you say is your favorite uh, nirvana video which one yeah oh man they're all <laughs> that's hard for me i don't know man I, I you know i like um in bloom where they he that's plays what i was gonna say is that right yeah. <laughs> they do that parody on the whole 50s band 50s yeah. 60s whatever yeah uh, it was funny i was i saw it like i saw that one about a month ago and i was still kind of cracking up at it it was, it was pretty funny yeah and that, that's another cool thing you know he was he was uh they were you know they were uh they were down for you know having a good time as well you know they they weren't they didn't yeah. take this, themselves too seriously as far as uh when it came to stuff like that you know they were serious artists great musicians you know yeah, but uh, they, they they were having a good time, you know. Totally, nothing wrong yeah. with that, you know. Filming, yeah, vid- I agree. You know, filming parodies and, um, 
So, yeah, Chuck, I want to get into the lineup a little bit, man. And So the original lineup consisted of, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, Kurt Cobain, yeah. uh, Chris Novoselic, who, who was born in Los Angeles, by the way. Um, yeah, I thought he was born in Compton. I, yeah, something like that. <laughs> and, and seriously, and I think they lived in. Yeah, I think you should, I think he was born in Santa Monica, and then but they, I mean, they moved up to Washington when I think it was the early seventies when uh, I read that uh, it was just too expensive or something like that for them, and so yeah. they they cut out they you know cut out to uh, Washington. Mm. And he ended up growing up in, in Washington, and that you know met that's where he ended up, met uh, Kurt, obviously. And yeah, they, yeah, yeah. And then they went through a few drummers, man. Uh, a guy named a couple guy, uh, one guy named uh, Aaron Burkhard, guy named Dave Foster, Chad Channing. Dave Foster, yeah. Chad Channing's probably the the only, the only other known drummer yeah. next to Dave Grohl. But uh, right, yeah, yeah. That, that's uh, for sure. They had the first two, you know, I mean, yeah, it happens with bands and yeah, you know, oh, no for, I know they added uh, Pat smear later, but for the most part, it was a trio and you right. know, the, the two main guys of course were, were Kurt and uh, Chris, but uh, right. you know, Dave definitely uh, Kurt uh, in an interview just talked about how, uh, you know, when Dave uh, auditioned, it was just like, dude, he hit the drum so freaking hard. And he is just like, that's exactly the sound that they were, they were looking for. Uh-huh. And, uh, Dave you know, Grohl? of course you could probably, you could do it. Yeah. You could probably do a whole podcast on Dave Grohl, man. That guy is freaking amazing. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, of course, man. And, um, uh, Chad, yeah. Chad Channing, um, he was their drummer. Uh, he, he's the drummer on the, um, bleach album. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, so he, uh, he 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 cut out early, huh? Oh yeah, like, uh, <laughs> like the fifth Beatle. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I know you ever. I always wonder. You know, a lot of these guys who um, cut out early, like you said, man. They, yeah. Uh, you know, if for example, um, yeah, as a prime example, Chad Channing, you know, or the fifth Beatle, or um, you know, I think Chad. I mean, Dave can definitely do punk drumming but i mm-hmm. kind of felt like chad wasn't as uh, as broad in in skill as, as dave Grohl was um uh-huh. i mean it was a good i mean again you listen to bleach and it's it's a lot of it is kind of uh it, it's much more punk influenced oh, yeah. than than never mind definitely but uh you know dave i think was what they needed to kind of go to the next level so for sure yeah, yeah. Totally agree, man. Totally agree. Uh, yeah, no, Dave is a, uh, Dave Grohl is definitely uh, talented, man. No, no doubt. No and doubt. he's cool, too. I mean, he lends his skills out. I mean, he's done work with, uh, you know, was it uh, the Queens of Stone Age, uh, yeah. Tenacious D. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, he's done, they work with a lot of other bands, and it's just, I don't know, man, the guy just likes to rock. He's, he loves rock and roll. Right. One of my favorite my favorite clips, and I know this isn't Nirvana, but it's Nirvana related. Um, like live uh, acts. It was, a, it was a clip of a concert. It was when uh, Foo Fighters did uh, Wembley Stadium. And they ended up bringing up uh, John Paul Jones uh-huh. and uh, Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin uh-huh. to play rock and roll. And the freaking stadium, I mean, it's, it's packed, dude. I mean, easily probably 100,000 people. And Dave Grohl was on drums, 
when they did uh, rock and roll. So, you know, Dave Grohl got to play uh, John Bonham's role for a little bit. And they, they, they freaking killed wow. it. I think you can find that one on the mail. I don't know. I don't think YouTube has it, but the mail has it. And uh, definitely worth checking out. Great clip, man. And that one always kind of gets me pumped up. Yeah, definitely. I got to check that out, man. Yeah. Yeah. Dave Grohl is a, yeah. Like you said, man, we could, we could talk about Dave Grohl all night, you know, and what he's done. Foo Fighters, obviously. And, um, you know, so, but, uh, so yeah, man, they, 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 the first, um, well, they do, you know, they record bleach obviously. And, Uh um, with the original lineup, and then uh, I don't know why or why, you know, why Chet Channing left or what have you. But um, did, did you know, I don't know, Chucky, did you know that they're, they used to go by, they went by a few names before they settled on Nirvana. Yeah. Yeah. I heard about that. Um, and I'm, I'm glad they settled on Nirvana because the other names weren't, weren't too good. <laughs> right. Um, fecal, fecal matter. What do you think about that one? Yeah. No, Nirvana. <laughs> <laughs> Um, imagine fecal matter. Uh, imagine if they had uh, stuck with that one. Uh, yeah. I think they were probably, um, you know, urged probably, to change it, you know. Yeah. That was probably Jack and Dino stepping in and saying, no, <laughs> you guys got to get something better. But yeah, I think Skid Row was another one. Skid that, Row. Uh, Ted yeah. Ed Fred was another one. Ted, yeah. Ted Ed Fred. Um, I no, think, they were good. <laughs> yeah. No, Nirvana. So apparently, yeah, Cobain said he wanted, uh, he wanted something that sounded quote unquote, beautiful mm. instead of something mean and raunchy like the angry Samoans which is what he said yeah. Um, so yeah Nirvana, yeah I think that was great man I think I think um, if I'm not mistaken Led Zeppelin has a song called Nirvana I, I don't know if uh, oh, man, I'm gonna have to google that I gotta look that one yeah. up yeah man. if I'm not mistaken <laughs> man if you want to put a wager on that I don't know if we could you know it's up to you Chuck. it's possible I don't know. honestly when I when I heard um, Smells Like Teen Spirit and they said it was by Nirvana I didn't even know what Nirvana meant at the time I, yeah I mean even, even though I went to Damien High School at the time I should have known what that meant <laughs> oh you were a product of private school education you I know, didn't know that I didn't even know I didn't even know what Nirvana meant jeez dude. <laughs> Chuck get your money back man yeah, I know yeah. that's my parents money uh, <laughs> um but I don't. I could be wrong, Chuck. I, I don't know, man. I don't. Um, I, I want to say that they, they had or someone had a song named Nirvana. I, I want to say it was, uh, you know, yeah, Led Zeppelin. Be. Could be them. But uh, you know, don't quote me on this, ladies and gentlemen. You know. But well, uh, anyway, yeah, look into that. Yeah. 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 Oh. Maybe so. Oh, yeah, Nirvana. Yeah. So Nirvana. Yeah, the point is they they they, they settled on the, that name, you know, and uh, you know, the rest is history. Um, so yeah, they they started recording demos in in eight, 1988, and um, they recorded uh, Bleach in in eighty nine on Sub Pop Records and uh, produced by Jack and Dino. There's that name again. And, uh, I know you were saying earlier that they sold 2 million copies of Bleach. I'm wondering if um, how many of those were sold after Nevermind was released. Great point. Or was, or was that 2 million before Nevermind? Because I remember, um, you, know, at the, you know, this is back when, you know, the, the music awards were still very popular, MTV Music Awards. And I remember yeah. both Nirvana and Green Day uh, had won like Best New Album. And they were just like, well, wait a minute, we both had 
albums before this one. Like Green Day had one for Dookie, and, but they had an album before that. And Nirvana had one for Nevermind. And it's like, but we have an art, you know, an album before this. Or it was like Best New Artist or something like that. And they're like, both, both bands are like, eh, we've been around for a while. Yeah. So, no, that's a great point, Chuck. I would, I would venture to say, man, that some, a lot of those albums, you know, a lot of those copies, I should say, is, um, were sold after, you know, probably after Nevermind. Nevermind was released. Yeah. You know? I bought Bleach, but it was after I, yeah, I bought after I had listened to Nevermind and bought Nevermind. Right. Um, right. But, uh, yeah. So one other side, uh, side, uh, fact on that. I remember watching an interview with, uh, Chuck D from uh, public enemy uh-huh. and he had mentioned how that time was kind of like the highlight of the record industry too. And, uh, because the medium of music was changing. So you had a lot of people who had bought music on cassette mm-hmm. and then rebought that same album on CD oh. uh, later on when they got CD players. And so you had kind of a, a manipulated or inflated sales of certain records and then it, right. it set the standard that the record industries kept trying to chase. And it was like, well, hold on. You know, the only reason it was so high is because everyone bought that album twice. Yeah. And, uh, or you bought it on cassette and you had the freaking cassette get all tingled up inside the cassette player. <laughs> you right. had to buy yeah. it again. Yeah. yeah. Oh gosh. So, I but I, I would say that, you know, 2 million is, is a pretty legit number for, for bleach. I can see, them definitely selling two million of that it was it was a good album oh no doubt man no doubt but that yeah man that's a yeah, interesting point though chuck that you bring up and but uh but yeah jack and dino produced it um it was the first album dave Grohl. oh not mm-hmm. i'm sorry not dave Grohl. that was that was uh never mind never mind that was never mind uh never mind yeah but sub pop man sub pop records um just a little side note on them uh i don't know if the name uh Bruce Pavitt rings a bell. No. Chuck, he Bruce was, Pavitt. well, he, he, um, we talked about this on the last episode, by the way, uh, with, uh, Soundgarden, but he had come over, uh, he was from Illinois and, uh, or he's from Illinois. He had come over with Kim Thayil, lead guitarist of Soundgarden. They were both from Illinois. Uh, okay. Friends, they came over to Washington and, um, basically he started, uh, sub pop. Okay. Sub pop records and, you know, um, became, uh, you know, big time, uh, rec- well, they were an indie label, right? Uh, but since then, I mean, they've, they've gone on to work, uh, with, uh, oh, I mean, just it's gonna be pretty awesome having an indie label that sells 2 million copies of one oh, album, huh? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and Bleach still, uh, remains the, the be- sub pop's best selling album to date. Oh, yeah, I'd imagine. Right. You know? Yeah. I, I, if they had stuck with if the Nirvana or never mind, gosh darn it! Um, if Nirvana had been released on Sub Pop, I mean, obviously, I think that would that would have well, yeah, surpassed that a long time ago. But oh yeah, you know, but they were more of an indie label back then, and Nirvana got obviously got picked up by a, a larger record company, record label. How many? Do you know how many copies? Uh, never mind sold. Uh, it went diamond, which is uh, uh, ten million, like ten million, yeah, at least ten million. And uh, let me see if I get, I could, I think I could get a. Damn, dude. What's that? Oh, that freaking album! Yeah, I mean, it went diamond. It's a, it's a, 
That's huge. I mean, I think Britney, I think Britney Spears sold like 50 million of hers. So, you know, no right. big deal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Only 50 million, huh? Yeah, no big deal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> exactly. You know, but, uh, Never mind. Yeah, it, it, I want to say, uh, I want to get an exact figure for never mind, but uh, at least ten million copies because yeah, diamond. It went. It reached diamond status, man, and that's no yeah. joke. You know, that's no joke. Yeah, it's, uh, again, it's 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 the album that kind of introduced everyone, not only just to Nirvana, but to what was going on with with the whole grunge movement. Um, you know, if you heard never mind then you probably started to hear Soundgarden. you started to hear alice in chains um pearl yeah. jam again they, they were i think they were a little bit i mean they definitely rocked but i think they were much more melodic than the other bands the other bands were a little more heavy for sure um you know but uh you know still freaking out they're, they're still going to this day man um uh, pearl jam oh and, yeah you know, a great band in their own right so has another podcast you can do right there, dude. Shoot. <laughs> oh, Pearl Jam? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to do Pearl Jam. We'll get to Pearl yeah. Jam, man. Hey, Chuck. Sure. Uh, yeah, man. Th- at this time, Chuck, Chuck uh-huh. we're going to take a quick break. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back with the 90s Galore podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with Chuck Nuno. We are profiling Nirvana, the epic band Nirvana from the 90s on the 90s Galore podcast. And before we went on break, Chuck, we were uh, talking about uh, Bleach, you know, and mm-hmm. how it gone, had, had sold uh, over 2 million copies and what have you. And, um, right. you know, it, it, it critically went, it did pretty well, man. Billboard gave it to four and a half stars. Rolling Stone gave it four stars, you know, and uh, I like Kurt Cobain. How he he according to Kurt Cobain, he said eighty percent of the lyrics for Bleach were written the night before they started record. They recorded the songs, yeah. um, and that sounds like you know, that sounds so, something like that he would do, man. He was that good, yeah. you know. Yeah, he was. Yeah, that I good. agree. You can't do yeah. that if you're not that good. You know? Yeah, there was um, a really good documentary uh, sold out. Uh, it was regarding Nirvana, kind of like when they're moving from that time before Bleach, then going into Bleach, and then moving on into Nevermind. And they show a lot of really good clips of their their live acts, and uh, you know they're playing these small bars and and whatnot. And mm-hmm. um, one of my favorite uh, clips that they show in there is when they play Negative Creep from from Bleach and Negative Creep almost had, it was almost like metal and punk mixed together and uh, yeah. really cool. I mean, all they did, I mean, the, the lyrics, like you're saying, he wrote the lyrics the night before, but <laughs> <laughs> all I got yeah. Negative Creep, it was just, it was the, the one uh, set of, of lyrics and he just repeated it twice, three times and that was uh, the song, dude, but <laughs> it was still, a, it was still a good song, you know? Right, right. So, that's crazy man yeah yeah it's um uh, and then yeah i like the release the single that was released the first one it was a song called blue b-l-e-w mm-hmm. yeah you know and then you had uh about a girl 
uh, yeah, and you mentioned Negative Creep and then Love Buzz. Actually, Love Buzz was released uh, first and then Blue. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, great songs, man. Great songs. Yeah. Great album. Yeah, like he's heavily punk influenced. Um, but uh, then obviously, you know, the next album that they released was none, the one we've been talking about is Nevermind, Diamond Status. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I remember being at a party, Chuck. And matter of fact, it was a Damien party. And Ooh, uh, yeah, I was a sophomore, man. I was kind of shy back in the day. I, I didn't go to too many parties, man, you know, in you high school. You were shy, bro? Yeah, I was, I was shy, Chuck. You know, <laughs> I was. <laughs> uh, you'd never know, right? Uh, right, right. I, I, yeah, I think I grew out of it, man. You know, uh-huh. it was almost 30 years ago. So I think, uh, I think, <laughs> uh, but. Uh, I can't believe that, man. Yeah, geez, man. That was 1991. We're, we're 2020. Um, mm-hmm. So what? 29 years ago. You know, yeah. Is my math good? Shoot, that's public education, Chuck. What do you think of that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, I was at the Damien party, man. And uh, matter of fact, Damien was our our friend Damien from Damien High School. Uh, he was there, and uh, and. Uh, a lot of your friends there. I, you weren't there. I don't know where you were at, man. I thought you went to every Damien party back then. What? No, dude, not me, dude. I, I stayed home and studied. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It paid off, no. man. You asked me one time, too, like, uh, you know, how did we meet? And honestly, it's like I thought we have met at Damien's house uh, because you live on the same street as him. But right. you start talking about, like, yeah, I was at this party. I was at this house. Dude, I was, I was, I was at that party. So it was like, yeah, there was times where like you were there and I just, I don't know, man. I didn't, I didn't recognize the handsome Mexican man across oh. the room. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it, yeah, it had to be Damien's man. But, but my point being, you know, I was at this party and, and this was uh, our sophomore year, spring of sophomore year. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, uh, nevermind had already been released. Um, it was already, you know, had been out for a few months and sm- uh, smells like teen spirit. And matter of fact, John Garcia was DJing. <laughs> really? Oh, I remember it so vividly, man. I remember it so vividly. And, uh, and the crowd just went nuts, man. You know, and you know, what's interesting. The whole night he had been playing like old school and hip hop and rap. Uh, and then all of a sudden he plays smells like teen spirit. <laughs> And everybody just goes wild, man. It was funny. So funny. It was uh-huh. crazy. Yeah. So, you know, my point being is that, uh, again, everybody was, you know, he was playing dance music the whole night. And, you know, everybody was loving it and it was having a good time. And, and then all of a sudden he plays Smells Like Teen Spirit. And, uh, yeah, everybody goes nuts, man. And uh, yeah. nobody cared that he switched up the dance music on on them or, you know on the crowd <laughs> and, and uh, uh, the smell like teen spirit isn't exactly a, a dance song <laughs> well if you slam dance right or, yeah, or I guess, mosh yeah. ah, I guess, true i guess <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so um smells like teen spirit was actually released in yeah september 10th 1991 and then uh wow. yeah man and then come as you are uh, in march of 92 um, lithium followed by in blooms. I mean, just but that whole album, Chuck. 
Um, just unbelievable, man. You know, on a plane, you know, um, uh, you know, you listen to the entire you know, poly drain you lounge act. Yeah. Uh, something in the way, just a great album. I mean, just, this is when they, I think they were just clicking on all cylinders and they were a well oiled machine at this point, man. With this well, album. even like the riffs, like with uh, with Breed. I mean, I know it, Breed kind of sounds, uh, you know, it's got more of a punk tempo to it. But the the riff in it is, dude, it's it's catchy, and uh, yeah, that's another great clip from that that uh, concert at the Paramount is when they play Breed, and uh, that one you, know, you actually had people dancing to uh, to the song. But uh, that's one of my favorite live clips that you'll you can see on online and. You see a dude stage diving, and uh, <laughs> it was a, it, it, you know, it was a good video. There's also that, um, gosh, I don't know what country they're from, but it's like this young couple, and they're driving, and their kid is in the car seat, in the back seat, uh-huh. asleep. The, the kid's asleep, and uh, the the parents kind of look at each other, kind of like giggling, and they 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 press play on the radio, and it's breed by Nirvana. And then like the, the drums kick in and all of a sudden the kid starts waking up playing that like air drums with his hands. Oh yeah. 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 What, <laughs> man. What, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. But I think it's a, you know, breed is probably one of my favorite songs uh, on that one. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, they had some really good, good riffs on that, that album. Right. Right. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And uh, it's interesting also because the label, they weren't expecting, um, they weren't expecting much from Nirvana. Uh, gosh, I keep calling. Uh, never mind, Nirvana. Um, they weren't expecting, you know, the album. Never mind to to, to perform the way it did. Right. DGC Records, uh, which was the label that they signed with after Sub Pop, and um, which was a division of Interscope Geffen A and M at yeah. the time. Uh, so I mean, but it debuts. Chuck, it debuts at number one on the Billboard chart, and uh, I mean the rest was history. You know, it it just uh, at one point. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, I was gonna say that at one point, Nevermind was selling over three hundred thousand copies a week. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, and it's again, it's like anyone listening to this. Like, if if you're from a a younger generation, again, it's like we talked about this earlier. There's there's the technical stuff, uh, you know, the, the, the little fun facts about, you know, Nirvana and the bands of that time, but just living in that era when you're going from like hair metal and, you know, hell, Millie Vanilli won best album of the year, not that long before freaking Nirvana came out is just, it was yeah. so just kind of, I mean, it was good music. I, I could hear a Millie Vanilli song now and be like, eh, you know, it's catchy, <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. But everyone, it, it was just ready for something different. And Nirvana definitely delivered. They kind of just exploded onto the radio. And again, it, it just introduced everyone to all of the other, you know, they called it the Seattle Sound. Um, but all the other bands that were going on and all the talent coming out of that, that, that era and uh yeah you know they even had like that uh, movie singles that uh oh, took man. place 
kind of and it was based on the whole grunge movement and being single in Seattle and <laughs> uh, yeah. So for for any youngsters, if they're listening to this, it's just you know, yeah, it, it just everyone the time was was right. It's kind of like when you went into the '80s with you know uh, new wave and the the post punk era. Right. Um, just before that, you had like Three Dog Night and these really like soft rock '70s bands and mm-hmm. uh, like Steely Dan. Down and- yeah. I like Stevie Day, Stevie Dan, though, but... Oh, no, me too. Yeah, of course. People were just ready for something different, and the same was with, with uh, Nirvana and, and Grunge, man. It was just a good time, good time to be in high school, because that's usually when most people really start to pick up on, and they start to kind of experiment with their own style of music when they stop, you know, listening to, like, their parents' music, and they kind of pick up on their own type, and kids at that age get more into, like, indie bands and trying to just explore... They're what they like, and like you said, man, we were spoiled. We had we were in high yeah. school at the right time, no doubt, no doubt, man. And and then you had, um, you know, that same era, you had a lot of bands where were not necessarily from Seattle, right? And it was so yeah. influential because you had a lot of these bands copycatting now, you yeah. know, kind of that sound, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and then just, uh, yeah, you had all these bands like. You know, Candlebox, and which by the way, I think they're, I don't know where they're from, but uh, you had uh, another another band I love, and I don't want st- to, I was going to say Stone Temple Pilots, but I remember yeah. a lot of people saying, saying, oh, you know, they, they sound like, like Eddie Vedder. Yeah, they, yeah so they sound like Pearl Jam, you know, and, <laughs> uh, and yeah. but uh, I think they're awesome in their own right, and then, but you definitely had a, just all kinds of bands just not coming out. You know, wanting to sound like um, you know Alice in Chains or Soundgarden or, or, or Pearl. You know, yeah, um, you had all these yeah, different things going on too. You, you even had like Rage Against the Machine coming out during that time, and yeah, I mean know, that was a no doubt. another podcast, dude. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, I'm writing these down as you say them. Yeah. Thank you, man. <laughs> yeah, okay, here we go. R A T M. Check. Yeah. Uh, no, of course, yeah. man. We'll get to those guys, man. But yeah, yeah, gosh, what a great era, though, Chuck. I mean, again, man. Yeah, I agree. What a what? A, yeah, we'll never see that again, man. And um, yeah, yeah Rage Against the Dude, Machine. We're gonna be like we're gonna be like seventy five years old, like still listening to like Nirvana and yeah, Rage Against the Machine, and I know. All that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and by the way, as you probably heard they're gonna they're headlining uh coachella this year yeah i heard that right and you're, i can't do music festival man it's too much for me uh, yeah me, I'm, I'm an old man <laughs> i think i'm gonna pass on that man um, yeah i'll be there in spirit though you know yeah um, i think my brother's taking the his rv out there it's just uh, it's just yeah man I could barely do. I can barely go to the movies anymore, man. The crowd, you know, go to the mall with crowds Come and stuff on, like bro. that. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I'm just, I'm kidding. I'm not that bad, but you know, um, man. Uh, but uh, going back to never mind, Chuck. Um, you know, uh, great album. You know, and, and yeah. I, I get this at this point. You know, Nirvana becomes superstars you know mm. you know they go on um they appear on um saturday night live right uh, i think they might have done yeah. david letterman i mean just they, they yeah everybody wanted a piece of nirvana at this point 
And, well, yeah, uh, they, even in uh, yeah, even in the UK, they were uh, they were they were you know making TV appearances over there. I mean, they they were digging the sound over there as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, and it's crazy to think though when you when you realize that. I mean, they were only when you go back to their first album, you know, uh, Bleach, released in '89, and I mean, everything really, they were only really around for what five, six years, you know? Yeah, yeah, it was a, quick. A span of yeah, kind of like the Doors, you know, back in the day, you know, I think they were around for just a quick, you know, maybe five years. You can still count. I mean, a lot of, I mean, just in that short time, and it, it really, their main releases really were only Nevermind and in, in Utero. Uh, I mean, I know you had Incesticide, but, uh, and, and Bleach, but the ones that were most known as far as when they were released and people looking forward to it was Nevermind and, and In Utero. And just in those two albums alone, you had so many singles. Oh, for sure. You could still even play on the radio today, and it still would still hit. Oh, man. Of course, of course, and yeah, and then you know, of course, uh, you had uh, unplugged, which is one of the greatest mm-hmm. unplugs ever. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and, and talking about unplugged, man, that um, I, I, you know what, I, one song I really like, um, you know, when you hear a song, a cover, and you yeah. like, you like the cover more than the original, you know what I mean? Yeah, it, yeah, and back then I didn't know. You know, I didn't know they were covering a lot of those songs. The man who sold the world, yeah, um, the David Bowie song, yeah. David Bowie song, and yeah, and I heard, I love the David Bowie version, but yeah, I had, I hadn't, I didn't hear, I didn't know David Bowie Bowie was the, uh, you know, originator of that song until years later. But then I heard it, I was like, oh, okay. But no, I like, I like, uh, you know, Nirvana's version so much. I had already grown on me, man, and. Uh, yeah, I still love that version to this day. I prefer it, you know. The, yeah, and he did a really good job picking um, the 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 playlist. Cause yeah, like you're saying, a lot of the songs weren't even their own. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, the majority of them were, but um, you know, you had uh, Jesus doesn't want me for a sunbeam. Yeah, you had man, you saw the world. Um, uh, who was that? Was that the Meat Puppet song? The other, the first one you mentioned. Lake, yeah, the land, the Lake of Lake Fire. Lake of Fire. Lake of Fire. Yeah, yeah. So he, yeah, he for for that setting, he he did a really good job picking the right songs. Yeah, um, yeah. And it, yeah, like that was probably one of the most successful ones that they had. Absolutely recorded um, in November on November eighteenth, nineteen ninety three. Chuck. Wow. So it was just a few months. Before he passed, or before he, yeah, before he died. Right, right, and yeah. uh, uh, it was released. It was actually released uh, over a year later, November first, nineteen ninety four. And uh, I remember that CD, man. I remember that CD. Want, you know, wanting to get pick it up right before I left to the Navy in December of that year. But uh, I remember thinking, ah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pick that up right now because I'm gonna be in boot camp in a two weeks or whatever and but anyways but uh yeah unbelievable man. unbelievable uh album you know yeah i agree yeah live album uh yeah they went and played uh, about a girl come as you are you know uh, something in the way all apologies yeah, along with their covers but uh and then they the whole re- purpose 
Go ahead. The whole purpose of the whole of the unplugging was to kind of give more of an intimate feel. And I mean, I didn't think it would be possible with Nirvana, but yeah, they definitely proved me wrong. Yeah, yeah, because then you had uh, I mean, Allison Chains did one. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, Dude, even L. Cool J did one. Who? <laughs> L. L. Cool J. Oh, really? He did an unplugged. Yeah. Jay Z did. did one, right? I think so. I believe do he they did still one. Do those? I don't think they do, man. Uh, but yeah, you, you like you said, man. A lot of those bands pulled it off, man. Ellis and Chase yeah. has a great uh, unplugged um, album. You yeah, know? you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually, I started like Alice Stone Temple Pilots. I, I, yeah, but Ellis and Chains, I actually appreciate more. Like when you know, I was younger and more angry and angsty. You know, you like the hard metal sound stuff but then as i got older i've actually appreciated more of like the uh, acoustic songs that they have like on jar of flies oh yeah uh, really good songs man absolutely man genius how you, you know you're getting old is when you like the acoustic songs <laughs> <laughs> no but you know i remember uh listening to those songs 20 years ago man you know yeah late 90s um jar of flies sap a lot of those acoustic songs on those albums those uh yeah. lps uh, i'm sorry eps uh, unbelievable! I loved them, man. I loved them. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, I hear you, Chuck. You would get older, man, and you start mellowing hey. out, dude. You know, slow down a little bit. You know, nothing wrong with that. No, of course, man. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm still young, Chuck. Damn it. I know. Yeah, we are. We oh, both are. We're yeah. I want to believe we're young, man. You know, don't don't don't, don't fast forward us, bro. I know. <laughs> you know but uh so yeah chuck they so their next album in utero we've kind of touched on it a little bit uh yeah uh, you know, um again they uh they release it on dgc the label uh produced mm. produced by steve albini and scott lit uh yeah. the first single release heart shaped boxed you know yeah um and and, and going uh, before i go any further i at this point you know anything that uh, Nirvana was going to put out was just going to be, it was going to sell millions of copies, right? Cause now they're well-established, they're superstars and, um, a great album though. Right. In its own right. Oh, absolutely. It, you know, Penny Royalty, um, all apologies or rate. Well, me. My favorite, uh, my favorite two songs off of, uh, in utero were, uh, milk it and, oh, I love that uh, radio friendly unit shifter. And again, just if you want to see a good um, rendition of their live performance, there's a really good um, live performance of Radio Friendly Unit Shifter they did for MTV. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know what the, exactly what show it was, but uh, dude, just freaking nailed it, dude. This, it sounded excellent. And again, Kirk Cobain, love him, but he would tend his voice would get a little kind of off on some of his live performances, but this one was just really good. And, uh, Pat Smear was up there oh, with them and, uh, dude, this, the energy and everything was really good. And, uh, again, if you're listening, look up, uh, radio friendly unit shifter uh-huh. and uh, great, great live performance on that song. Wow. I got to check that out, man. Yeah. I got to check that out. Yeah. Um, Pat Smear, he's, uh, the germs, right? From the germs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. But, uh, good stuff. Yeah, good Chuck. Guy. yeah. What's that? No, I was just saying, I was good stuff. I was, I was agreeing with you. No, yeah, man. I, I, I got to check those, uh, 
those performances uh, that you're mentioning. Mm. And um, but the In Utero, you know, again, great album. Uh, yeah, I love all those songs, man. That you're mentioning, and uh, again, they were by this time they were just they were established Nirvana. And they, uh, anything they were going to put out, man, was going to be amazing. It was 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 going to sell as far, as far as commercially, right? Yeah. Um, critically, yeah, I, I think uh, In Utero was um, did okay. I think uh, I want to say. Yeah, it was given an uh, all music gave it five five stars. Blender, you remember Blender magazine? Uh, five stars, yeah, yeah man. Uh, you know uh, who else? Rolling Stone gave it four and a half stars. So well, I think what was happening with a lot of bands too is, I mean, you do you put out an album with like thirteen songs, fourteen songs, and mm. it's just like, dude, twelve of them are garbage. And <laughs> in utero, I mean, I think they had like six singles off of uh that album honestly it was like 11 or 12 songs and like six of them were freaking singles yeah they can play on the radio i mean it mm-hmm. was a really solid out and even the b-sides the ones that didn't make the radio like milk it um was still a really good song radio friendly unit shifter didn't make the radio but it's still a really good song right um so i mean it just dude it was a freaking solid album oh no doubt man dumb the song dumb yeah very ape Served the Servants was a good song. Oh, gosh. Gosh. Yeah, I want to go listen to this album, though. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like when you're talking about food, man. You, you know, you're getting hungry, and it's like yeah. you talk about these songs, these music, these albums. You're like, man, I want to put these on. And, uh, well, yeah, back in the day, it's like you, you, you bought the whole album, you know, on cassette or, you know, the EP or whatever you want to call CD. it. And, yeah, right. the CD and, right. and put it in your radio while you're driving and you listen to the whole thing. You know, we, we didn't really buy singles that much back then. Yeah, so, ex- exactly. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, so I guess maybe back then you had to try and make more, put more effort into making more singles out of, out of one album to get the whole thing to sell. But that yeah. definitely, yeah, was definitely was a, a solid album. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, and I want to say, I want to... Uh, I want to mention, Chuck, that uh, In Utero did go, I think it went, uh, I want to say it went uh, platinum a few times over. Uh, I'm sure it did. Yeah, yeah, five five million copies in the United States alone. Mm. You know, so that's uh, five, you know, platinum five times. And uh, that's that's crazy because like everything nowadays is, is singles. Like selling, like I sold, you know, ten million of this one song. It's like, dude, yeah. Back then, they had to make a whole freaking album and to sell that many of one album. I mean, that's, dude, that's impressive, man. Oh, definitely, definitely. Especially in alternative, quote unquote, alternative rock, where it's supposed to be kind of like a subculture, right? You know, they, you know, again, Nirvana helped the sub subculture become mainstream, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, selling five million copies on. Alternative rock was was really good. Of course, man, without a doubt. They, yeah, well, you know, they, they, I think, you know, they got a, they went mainstream for sure, you know. Mm-hmm. But like you said, you know, the definitely that genre of music, um, the quote unquote grunge, you know, I kind yeah. of, I think they kind of put them on a different level. They, 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 you know, and uh, I think everybody kind of rolled their coattails a little bit, you know. They open those doors, 
for the you know for the Allison Chains of the world, the everybody else, you know, uh, yeah. to arguably argue arbitrarily, you know, uh, you know, Pearl Jam, I mean, and they're all bands, of course, successful in their own right. But uh, no, Nirvana, none of them did what Nirvana did. I mean, as far as yeah. uh, popularity, you know. And, I agree. But uh, yeah, just as talented, though I think. Um, uh, so yeah, Chuck. I think you know that was their. That would be, you know, um, In Utero would be their last album that they would release. You know, unfortunately. Right. Um, and then uh, you know, Kurt um, committed suicide in April of ninety uh, four. You know, allegedly. Well, right, right, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. terrible. But yeah, there's all that conspiracy. Dude, there's a lot of conspiracy theory around that. But yes, yeah, you got. I mean, you got to kind of just accept. You know, it the results the same, and yes, uh, you know, it's a, he was definitely a, a troubled guy, and um. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, but I think yeah, I, I asked you earlier in 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 this episode, but yeah, I think he had more music in him. Yeah, for sure, man. A guy like that. Wow. Um, unfortunately, you know, unfortunate that he took his own life. Um, but man, that just and that just that breaks my heart, man. You know, and you hear, you know, a, a person of of that so young, you know, so much to to give. So I think you know, so so talented. So much left, uh, and it just get, it gets abruptly cut short, you know. Yeah. And it's like ah, you're left, you're left like unfulfilled, you know, like almost wanting more, and you just oh, it's frustrating. And what is it about that era? Too? I mean, not to get morose or anything like that, but I mean, like Lane Staley, uh, Chris Cornell, yeah. Um, you know, you had Scott uh, Weiland. Scott Weiland, yeah. Dude. Jeez. I All know, heroes, bro. <laughs> right yeah it, it, unbelievable yeah. but you but you li- and then you listen to their music though and it's you know it's very um you know uh you know, uh what's the word man good uh, ominous or, or other songs are ominous and their lyrics are you know they talk oh, about dark. dark that's the word i was looking for yeah yeah, yeah. it's a big word right <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I couldn't think of it. Damn it! Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's just—I don't know, man. Who knows what's going uh, going on there? Especially, and then they're battling addiction and different addictions and emotional, you know, issues. And you start wondering, like, did they always have these issues? You know, growing up or yeah. you know, as 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 youngsters. Uh, I mean, and yeah, you, you could speculate. Exhaustion on, is is, a, is another one, man. I mean, dude, I, I love, you know, smells like teen spirit, but can you imagine having to play that every single night? And you're just like, uh, and then you're like <laughs> traveling to all these different cities and yeah, dude. Oh yeah. It's exhausting, man. It's a, uh, it, it sounds, it sounds appealing, but if, until you actually do it, man, the life of a rock star, that's no joke, dude. No, of course. They, they go on, you go on tour, these, yeah, grueling tours and traveling and, yeah. partying and hooking up with chicks and <laughs> I'm just, so terrible oh man <laughs> you know no it, it, I, I yeah I, I I see it's it's uh it's an interesting point Chuck you know yeah and it's unfortunate man it's sad and um gosh you know so but uh yeah they were they were inducted to the uh rock and roll hall of fame 
um, I believe in in 2014, Chuck. And uh, has anybody? Uh, a side note, because like, dude, Dave Grohl. Uh, I mean, has anybody been inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice for two different acts? Because he legit could probably make it for Foo Fighters, too. Oh, wow. Great point. Um, wow, I don't know. That's a good question. We'll have to look into that. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, I think Google's, uh, we got to Google that, man. And, uh, <laughs> Is that Google? Yeah. I wonder if, uh, God, I, wonder, I bet you that, uh, I bet you somebody has, man. I gotta look that up. I gotta look that up. Yeah. Any listeners, if you guys, uh, if anybody knows that, go ahead and voice message me and uh, let me know. Get a free uh, snow cone. Yeah. Well, we'll mention you on the next <laughs> podcast. Yeah. But no, I'll say we'll we'll mention the the list. We'll mention your name on the next podcast. We'll give you a shout out on the next episode and. Uh, so yeah, let me know. Drop me a line on uh, social media, on my uh, Instagram or, or Twitter, or leave me a voice message. That's a good question, Chuck. That's a nice little trivia piece of trivia there, man. Check it out. Yeah, man. But uh, but Nirvana, man. I mean, gosh. And then uh, so yeah, Dave Grohl goes on to form uh, obviously Foo Fighters, Chris Novoselic. Uh, formed the band's uh, Sweet 75 in 1995 and then Eyes Adrift in the early 2000s. I don't know if you're familiar with those two bands, Chuck. Yeah. Um, what do you call it? Uh, Sweet 75, they kind of sound like the lead singer was a, a female. I don't know her name, but they had a kind of like a, they sound a little, more, a little bit like the, the Runaways. And uh, then you had, uh, which was a, the band that uh, Joan Jett was a part of back in, Right, uh, 70s and then uh, Eyes Adrift a little more folksy uh, more of a folk sound and then he's also wow. uh, part of another band called um, Giants in the Trees which again is another kind of folksy sound but the, the lead singer is uh, a female lead singer uh, again kind of just more of a folksy sound I think Chris is kind of just yeah he's just mellowed out man he's a, he's a chill dude now so, is that right? Yeah, uh, Dave. I mean, I well know that Dave still rocks, but I think Chris is a little more, a little more chill uh-huh. in his post Nirvana days. Yeah, I, I bet. <laughs> well, I think the guy's. Uh, I think he's in his fifties now, right? Plays the accordion. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, he played the accordion on the Unplugged too. Oh, that's right. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Chuck. Uh, and then you have the song. Um, so, our, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers did a, a side note here. They did a song uh, for dedicated to Kurt Cobain on their One Hot Minute album. The song Tear Jerker was dedicated that was about to him? Coop- Yeah, yeah, it was. De- I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I'll take a listen to that. It's about Kurt Cobain. Yeah, I got to check. I got to really zero in on the lyrics too. My, I want to hear uh-huh. that again. Yeah, I didn't know that was about him. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah. But uh, Nirvana, man, definitely a place in our hearts, Chuck, a place in our youth, you know. Um, I, I hope we did it justice, dude, like you said at the beginning of the, the show. I hope we did him justice. Yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> I was so nervous. My hands are, palms are sweaty. 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, Chuck, but uh, man, I want to thank you, Chuck, for taking the time. No, thanks for having me on, man. This was fun. Oh, man, we got to do it again. For sure. We got to do it again. We got to do it in studio next time. No. Check it out, dude. You got a studio? Oh, man, you got to check this out. Damn it. The 90s Galore Studio, Chuck. <laughs> and, and I can go mobile, too. Maybe I'll, I'll do Wow. Uh, yeah, I'll take it up to uh, Matt's on Sunday or something, and we can do some you, uh, impromptu. Wait, you, you, you set up the, the studio inside Oscar's RV or what? Oh, we can do that as well, Chuck. Wow. We got to diversify in, in the 2020s, Chuck. It's the 2020s uh-huh. now, Chuck. We'll surprise him. He's probably not listening right now anyway, so we'll surprise him. Let him know that we're using his RV for the studio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Exactly. Um, but yeah, Chuck, hey, man, thank you so much. Uh, you're always yeah, welcome my back. Pleasure, man. Yes, yes. Appreciate it. Absolutely, man. It's been a blast. Uh, yeah, brother. Yeah, brother. So uh, let me uh, go ahead and sign off. I want to thank all the listeners, all of you. In Germany, the UK, uh, India, Mexico, Peru, Australia. Uh, yeah, I said India. Um, of course, here in the good old US of A. want to thank you for tuning in. And again, I want to remind you, listeners, please drop me a line. Let me know who, who uh, which artist or artist or band has ever been inducted in the, into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame under two acts with two bands i definitely want to check that out we will mention your name on the next episode of the uh, 90s galore podcast which would be this week coming up uh we will have the one year anniversary oh and by the way i forgot to mention that to you chuck yeah we're gonna have a what? yeah we're gonna be nice. january 21st will be the one year anniversary and, Congratulations, uh, man. yeah thank you thank you so we're, i'm just trying to do something chuck i'm trying to do you know trying to trying to get to your level bud yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh-huh. uh yeah. So let me know on social media, Twitter at uh at 90s galore and uh on Instagram at 90s underscore galore. Leave me a voice message on Apple Podcasts on Anchor. Um uh, subscribe to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Okay. Um, so we'll see you next week on the anniversary one year anniversary issue. Um, I also want to thank before I, I can I want to shout out to uh, Pangalactic uh, Straw Boss. I hope I said that. I hope I uh, said that correctly uh, for your contribution to this podcast for this episode. Um, want to thank uh, Matt Gallegos and family. Thank you so much. Um, Oscar Zaldivar and uh, you guys are awesome all your contributions I want to thank the Brotherhood the Brotherhood out of uh, Brotherhood the Inland Empire Rancho Cucamonga Ontario Chino California and uh, yeah all of you tune in next week but until then I want to thank you and don't forget to take it easy